Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Zoom In Zoom Out podcast, where three woefully underqualified people, namely Aryan Chaudhary, Path Behani, and myself, Akash Vikram Shaf, try to offer you some perspective by zooming in and out, as the name suggests, of the lives of some very qualified people, like our guest here, Mr. Kevin Wong. And effectively, what this means is that we ramble for a long time. And we have Kevin here to provide you some insights. So, yeah. Thank you so much for that introduction, Akash. Today we have among us Kevin Wong. Kevin is a senior electro-optical engineer at Lockheed Martin, who currently works on US missile defense systems. Before this, he used to work as a satellite engineer at Maxar, where he also helped recover a lost satellite in space, which is absolutely insane. If this isn't enough, uh, Kevin is also a member of the U.S. National Tai Chi team with two Pan-American Kung Fu gold medals and a bronze at the last World Championships. Uh, Kevin also studied physics from UC Berkeley and graduated in the class of 2015. And he's also a wonderful person. Thank you so much, Kevin. We're so glad to have you. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So to just give you a brief outline of how this is going to go, um, we have Kevin here, of course, to give you some perspective into the life of this very, very successful engineer and see his journey through how he's reached where he's come to, but more importantly, go through the failures he's been through and how he overcame them. And um, for the next half an hour, 45 minutes, we're going to be having this conversation to understand more of that. So to start off with Kevin, um, would you like to talk about what does success mean to you and what has been some of your uh, most happiest or most rewarding successes? Right. So success is something that I think is very hard to define because it depends on where you want to go in life and what you want out of the effort that you're putting in. So for me personally, um, I think the obvious thing is work. Uh, that's something that a lot of people can relate to. I'm happy with where I am in, in my career. I'm at a job that I enjoy very much, uh, doing something that I think is very interesting and meaningful. Um, another side of it is my personal life. So I got married last year, um, right before the pandemic actually. Um, and that has been great. <laughs> um, Congratulations. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, so I do, I do martial arts. I've been practicing for some time and I'm yeah. on the, yeah. And yeah, so. So, uh, again, like, uh, I think, I think I really agree with you when you say that it's, it can sometimes be very challenging to gen to find a very general definition of success and it's really specific to what you need and what you want from what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, how, how did you define your success at, at your current job or when you were at school or college, what, what were you, what were you looking at when, when you looked at success or if you want to look for a better word, growth, what, what, what did growth mean to you? I think generally it means um, improving yourself and being in a place that is better than where you were. And so 
I don't think there's um, any kind of milestone that at least I hit in my life that I would call the point where I made it. And it's, it's really kind of a continuous process. And so I think success to me means um, being in a state where you're moving forward. You're um, on a path to whatever you define as a better place in your life. Uh, are there any success? Uh, yeah. Uh, are there any successes in your life that you can think of right now, which which make you happy? Like, like to think about you did those things you did. Uh, are there any any of those memories that you'd like to share with us? Yeah. Um, so I do I do martial arts, uh, Chinese martial arts, wushu. Um, I specialize in tai chi, which a lot of people probably heard of. Um, I do a, a version of Tai Chi that is probably not what you're thinking of, but I compete in it. And so I competed at the World Championships uh, 2018, and I got third place wow. in my event, which was oh, exciting. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was cool. <laughs> it was a good time. And so that oh. was, I think that's uh, one of my... One of the things I'm proudest of. I think that's wonderful because, um, at least in terms of martial arts, I'm, I'm not very good at it. I've done a little bit of boxing and things like that in the past. But oh, nice. at least in terms of the impact that martial arts can have on the rest of your life, do you think that that's been a place that you can derive things like discipline and confidence from? Because I found that to be true in a lot of scenarios. Mm -hmm. So... I'm always kind of um, cautious about uh, saying that martial arts has given me discipline. Uh, one, I don't, I don't really like falling into that stereotype. And two, I don't think that's really true for me. Um, what martial arts has given me in particular is um, learning how to uh, be bad. And so when you're, when you're starting out martial arts, especially, um, you are the worst one in the class, almost definitely. And that was true for me. Um, and I was, I was worse than I thought I was. <laughs> um, it's always kind of a shock when you see yourself on video for the first time and you're like, oh, I look like that. <laughs> and you're like... You know, you're nowhere near where you want to be. And so martial arts is, um, it's a sport about uh, self-improvement and learning that it's okay not to be good at all, but um, learning how to take advice and take other people's input to get better. So... Yeah. I think that's, that's yeah. what it's given me. I think the same sentiment about seeing yourself on camera for the first time is what we felt yeah. when we recorded the first <laughs> podcast. We looked at it and we were like, maybe this is something we can't put on the internet for life. <laughs> this is something we should probably just bury. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Okay, Kevin, would you tell us a little bit about your currently doing your working at Maxar Technologies? Mm -hmm. So, would you tell us what you're doing there? 
and how that job has affected you, things like that. Yeah, so, um, so I actually just got a new job a couple months ago at Lockheed Martin. Um, and so I'm working on US missile defense systems right now. Uh, I'm in the electrical optical group. I, my training is in physics. Um, I got my bachelor's in physics in 2016. But since then, I've been working in electrical systems design mostly. And so that has entailed um, kind of top level uh, design work. Um, I work in space. And so the, it, it's involved um, kind of point to point wiring connections and inter unit um, interfaces throughout the spacecraft, any given program that I'm working on. So that's kind uh, of yeah. a general overview. That, that does sound really, really fancy. And <laughs> um, I think you'd mentioned to us that um, at one point during your career working at Maxstar or one of your previous companies, you told us you'd made a certain error in some of the analysis and that led to um, having to rework a lot of things that you'd already done and making changes downstream, right? So how is that entire process like when you realize that a lot of what you worked on might have been wrong or might have gone wrong in terms of also affecting your colleagues' work and this huge project that you're working on, which being something like Boeing, being missile systems would definitely be quite complicated and expensive and mm -hmm. uh, important, right? So how did you deal with that and grow from that? So um, it was embarrassing, mostly. <laughs> My first thought was like, Oh my God, I've messed this up. Um, and I think the hardest part was making myself go tell my boss that I had done this wrong. Um, yeah. So it, and I, I found the error because there was another, there was a further part of the program that I was working on that depended on my calculations from earlier. And so I was going back and looking over my own work and realized that I had made uh, a few errors <laughs> in the calculations. Um, and so I think something that you learn very quickly when you're working in industry is that your work isn't just kind of, you finish it and then it's done. There's a lot of dependencies. And so when I'm done with my work, I pass it on to someone else and then they go do something mm -hmm. else with it. And well, in this case, the person that I passed it on to was me because I was working a couple of different roles on the program. Um, and so I had to track down everything that had depended on my incorrect analysis and I had to make sure that all that got cleaned up and then you know <sighs> yeah it was it was kind of rough <laughs> yeah it, it sounds like it could have been quite exhausting I guess um, yeah. but I mean at that moment do you sort of lose faith in yourself or how do you convince yourself that you can still keep doing what you're doing to and make sure mm -hmm. that you don't have any other errors or? So I think um, 
Something that a lot of people struggle with and that I struggled with to a certain degree is imposter syndrome. And so mm -hmm. um, this was in the first couple years in my career. And so I was still, I still felt like I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was, I was afraid that at any moment someone would point to me and be like, this guy's not a real engineer, get <laughs> out of here. And so when I first, when I realized that I had made this error, I was like, this is it. It's over. It's done. I should just, you know, turn in my right resignation now. Yeah. Um, but you know, you, you kind of, I think something that's good is that you, you can't give in to that. There's like, there's no choice when other people's work depends on your work. You got to just own up to it. And so that's what I had to do. And so I did it. Um, I just, I went to my boss and said, Hey, so you know, that analysis that I worked on half a year ago, <laughs> well, it's wrong. So, and then, you know, it was, um, and I think it's, it's always kind of, you, you make it out to be a lot worse in your head than it actually is. Mm. And so, you know, mm. he was, he was cool. He was like, yeah, just, just fix it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's really kind of what it is. You just, you fix it. You make sure that it is right for the next person who comes along and then that's it. You learn from it, you grow from it, you move on. I, I think it's, it's quite heartening for all of us to hear that even someone like you still faces imposter syndrome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because as I, I, I don't know if it's disproportionate to tech, but I think people in tech are just more vocal about it. I'm sure every industry faces it, but as the three of us are trying to get into tech, I'm sure we've faced imposter syndrome at some point. Do you, yeah. do you think it gets, does it get better as you've moved along in your career? Has your self-confidence improved or do you think it's something that still afflicts you and you have to keep working on it? Yeah, I, it definitely gets better. Um, I think anytime you, you jump, um, my, my new role now has been kind of a, a diagonal jump from where I was previously. And so again, I'm kind of facing, you know, oh, I'm, I'm a senior engineer now. What does that mean? Um, but you know, I, as you talk to other people and kind of new faces come in, you realize, Hey, they are now where I was three years ago. And it, and that makes you realize, you know, that you're not where you were three years ago. And so I think recognizing that you have grown in that time is something that's very important and something that's very helpful in overcoming imposter syndrome. And also I think the recognition that everybody kind of faces this, um, you know, talking to people five years my senior, they, they're also like, yeah, yeah, I, I worry that, you know, um, people are going to realize I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, why are they coming to me for advice? I don't know. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a ubiquitous feeling, I think. Yeah. Definitely. I think, I think I really agree with Akash when he says that it's really heartening to know that somebody <laughs> like you is also uh, going through something very similar uh, to what a couple of us feel now. Mm -hmm. uh, 
what do you think about your failures? Like when you when you think about them in hindsight, when you look back at like failing through your, maybe maybe once or twice in your jobs, or mm-hmm. before that, what do you, what do you just think about your failures now? Once once you like reach the level you're at. Some of my failures, I think, um, when I think back on them, and I think we all we all have this sometimes. I'm like. Why did I do that? You know, that was unnecessary. I didn't. I didn't have to say that. I didn't have to throw that negative sign in there. I should have checked my work. Um, but I think even those have taught me something. And so I think um, something that helps me think about my failures without uh, kind of wallowing in this crushing sense of inadequacy is to realize that without them, I wouldn't be where I am now. So if I, if I hadn't, you know, had that experience of doing that uh, power analysis incorrectly and learning that I need to um, talk to someone if I'm unsure of what I'm doing, then um, I think I'd be a lot less successful in my career now. Do, do you think you still fail? Like, like, do, do you still fail? Or has it become yeah. lesser or, um, but, and it has, has your gratitude towards your failure, like you just mentioned, helped you in overcoming uh, any obstacle that like failures get to you? Like sometimes failures can just be more that this is what I think that failures can just be more than or like like an offset that you face because of like not meeting a certain uh, milestone or something, or they can they can also be burdening like emotionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, has your gratitude helped you or uh, like sometimes combat that emotional burden that failure that's that I'm probably like the emotional like let's say a uh, feeling can probably kick back the imposter syndrome. Uh, is that something which you faced? Uh, and how's your gratitude helping you with it? Uh, yeah, so I think failure is something that you don't really get over. You, hmm. There's no point where um, you're ever like, okay, I win at everything I do now. You know, hmm. um, I think it does, um, well, I hope that I'm failing less often now. Um, I think uh, when situations arise that I've dealt with in the past, um, the hope is that I'm dealing with them better now because, well, as we like to say in physics, it's a previously solved problem, right? (laughs) And so um, learning from your failures in the past helps you deal with them as they come up later on. Uh, definitely, I, I fully agree with that. And I just want to segue a little bit into your college experience, because you mentioned to us that you weren't able to qualify for a minor you wanted to study. Um, could you just tell us why that was and um, how that affected you, things like that? Right, so something that I think is kind of funny to think back on now is that I wasn't a very good student. Um, 
let me rephrase that. I was a terrible student. Okay. <laughs> and going into college, I didn't know that. So I, I had a plan, right? I was gonna get my PhD and become a professor in physics. You know, I was gonna be, um, I was gonna be the next Nobel Prize winner. But I hit college, and then I realized, hmm, it's hard to study. <laughs> not forced. And so my my grades went down quite a bit. Um, and so that was something that I think was very hard for me to deal with, having to kind of cope with this realization that um, I actually hate studying and, you know, how, how do I deal with that? But yeah, so I, I wanted to get a minor in environmental engineering or some kind of engineering and environmental engineering was the one that I picked. Um, so that increased my workload, uh, which in hindsight was not a good idea, but, um, yeah, so in order to get the minor, you needed um, above, I, I think it was a, a C average in the courses for that minor. And C average, you know, doesn't sound like it should be very hard to achieve. And yet, somehow it was. And wow. so by the time I graduated, um, I had to kind of give up on that. Um, so I contented myself with just getting my bachelor's in physics and I was like, okay, that's it. No more school for me. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> do, do you think, do you think, um, uh, I, I don't want to be wrong when I'm saying this, but somewhat of a failure at school there motivated you into achieving the great things that you did later on? Is it fair? And like, did, could you derive some kind of failure motivation from like not having, like not, not getting that minor that you wanted, something like that? I think so, yes. I think um, failing at school forced me to uh, think more about what I wanted to do in my life. You know, there was a point in my undergrad when you know, I was, I was up 4 a.m., you know, trying to get done my homework that was due two weeks ago. And I was like, do I really want to do this for another seven years? You know, am I really going to get that PhD? And then after that, am I really going to become professor and do research and stay in this world? So I think, um, being bad at school really kind of shook me and I had to be, I had to look for something else that I wanted to do. And so that was, um, as it, it was, I think a very necessary, um, a necessary thing for me to go through. And what do you think? Like, like, I think I've heard this a lot of times, uh, the phrase grades don't matter. What do you think? What do you think when somebody says grades don't matter? Do you agree with it? 
No, not really. Grades, grades matter quite a bit, but they don't matter, I think, in the way that a lot of people think. Grades, having a high GPA is very important if you want to get a higher degree. If you want to get a PhD, then yes, you, you'll, you're going to want to keep your GPA up. But I think um, I graduated with a 2.7, right? So um, it was important, I think, for me to realize that this number is not a high enough number to get into a physics PhD program. And so grades, I think, are something that you should use to gauge where you are and where you want to be and is there a realistic path for you to get there because if you if you're you know second year in college and you're at a, a 3.0 right then you need to ask yourself am i okay with this and if you are okay with that then cool but if you're not then what are you going to have to do to get into a grad school so I think it's, it's not a number that you need to um, care about just because your parents say that you need to, or because you need to get um, a certain number. But it's important for you to gauge yourself and where you're at. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because I think for a lot of us going from high school into college, um, at least speaking for myself and a few others, I think Akash and Ari as well, we have this sort of illusion about how grades, getting that high grade is important, not just for us to know where we're at, but because of how everyone else sees us and what we've been told is important to get, or what we've been told is this good grade or the grade that you should have. Um, and just like transitioning from that to understanding that the grade can help you understand more about yourself and not necessarily that important in terms of outside perspectives could be quite helpful. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I can relate to that. I think um, a lot of us can. But I think um, it's important to keep in mind that your GPA is only part of your picture, right? So it's, I think, um, good to keep in mind that it's not, it's not just about the grades. I mean, when I'm, when I'm applying to jobs now, nobody cares. If you're in industry, your, whatever GPA you had in college is, I think, a lot less important than the experience you've gained through internships or previous jobs or whatnot. And of course, nobody, nobody cares about my high school GPA. <laughs> no, <laughs> although, I mean, that kind of sucks because it's a lot higher than my undergrad GPA was. Yeah, I think we all, uh, and not, not us all, I think I can really relate to that uh, because I remember having like a really good GPA early on in school 
and then uh, when I took like too much on my plate. Are your second standard doesn't count. Your GPA for the second standard does not count. Yeah, I'm still I'm still fixed on like my second standard GPA. I got straight A's that that semester. I got two ice creams. Uh, I remember. <laughs> no, but but what do you uh, what what learning style did you like? Use for your for your academics. Did, was it the learning style which is going wrong, or was it just lack of interest per se? Mm, I think something that I realized is that I um, I'm a really bad procrastinator. Um, <laughs> and I think that's something a lot of us can relate to. Yeah, it's a it's a common problem. Um, but it hit me really hard because in high school, it was fine. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I could finish my homework, and this isn't something that I'm necessarily proud of. But I would finish my calculus homework in class right before the teacher collected it. Oh. And, yeah, and you know that was something that I could do in high school doesn't really fly in college. Mm. Um, if you have a week to complete an assignment, you you really can't complete it in a few hours. Like, it's not, it doesn't work. Um, mm. So mm. I think it wasn't really any learning style per se, but more of a, a work ethic problem. Yeah. And I guess, how did you go from having like that work ethic in school to obviously now in your industry, in your job, having a work ethic that let you reach where you are? Is it just because of finding something that you were a lot more interested in? Or how did you transition from that to this? So I think um, something that I've discovered is that my procrastination problem mostly applies to myself. So I, I'll procrastinate if it's um, a homework assignment that I have to turn in, or if it's my taxes, <laughs> which I completed a few days before they were due. Um, but something that I found while working in the industry is that if someone else depends on my work, then I can really step up and get it done because I know that other people need it. Um, and so I think that's why working in industry has suited me a lot better because um, one, I don't allow myself to procrastinate in the same way that I did in undergrad. And two, I get much more of a sense of accomplishment handing off a good, um, a good deliverable than I ever did when I was turning in assignments to this, you know, box mm. this big in a lecture hall that nobody was in. Mm. Um, I, I think that's true. Maybe for, for some people, because even I've come across quite a few people who weren't the best students at school per se, mm. but um, they've done exceedingly well in their job. And it's just that 
they enjoy that more and they're getting to do it in a work environment which they prefer. Now, just as a um, as a section that we've come up with to help our audience realize that you might be a little more like them because obviously in the beginning you you see this grand image that uh, a lot of times people assume of others and then you're like maybe they're not so different from me after all and that's what we're hoping this podcast does. So in that sense, do you have any guilty pleasures that? you enjoy doing anything that you turn to when you want to unwind i read manga um i read i read quite a bit i read more than i probably should um, <laughs> and i'm i'm a binger so when i so i think that um something that is kind of a funny story is my first year in college my first semester, um, fin the week before finals week, I had a paper due and, you know, I wanted to get it done, um, before my, before final exam started. So, you know, it was three days before my first exam. I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to pull my first all nighter. I'm going to crank it out, get it done. And then I'll rest the next couple days so that I'm ready for my exam. So I stayed up all night. I did it, you know, it was my first all nighter. I spent the entire night reading Hunter x Hunter from <laughs> beginning to end. Didn't get any work done. So then the next night, and I, I crashed the next day, of course. Um, but the next night I was like, same thing. Okay, cool. Uh, I reread hunter x hunter <laughs> from beginning to end so i ended up pulling three all-nighters in a row without getting any of my work done and so <laughs> i think that's quite impressive i don't know about y'all but that is something that <laughs> uh yeah yeah well it was uh not super good planning on my part. I did get my paper done, but it was, it was a rough time. <laughs> my exam the next day was super rough. That's, that's when I learned how to drink coffee. I drink a lot of coffee now. But yeah, manga. That's my, probably my biggest vice. And like this, do events like this still happen to you? Do you still get these productivity slumps <laughs> and even though... It's not a productivity uh, slump. I've been getting through Hunter x Hunter and one night is very productive. <laughs> <laughs> um... I think it, it doesn't happen as often nowadays. Um, as, as I said, I'm, I think quite a bit, procrastination doesn't hit me in quite the same way when I'm, uh, when I'm working, but, um, I do get times like when I'm supposed to be working on my taxes that I'm like, well, you know, 
Um, so if you guys know Soul Soul No Freiren, it's a, it's a newer manga that came out recently. Anyway, I read that instead of um, doing my taxes, and then that was like <laughs> three months ago. Um, and then you know that kind of just kept happening because you know so. When you guys eventually are doing taxes, do them as soon as you can. Otherwise, you know, you forget about it and then you tell yourself you're gonna do it the next week and then the next week and then the next month. And then, you know, the government gives you an extension on your taxes and you're like, okay, cool. I have, I have even more time, but then you end up with a lot less time. So, that that sounds like how to work for quite a few of us with school extensions and deadlines <laughs> for projects as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that extension worked for me. <laughs> I, I, I just took that extension as a vacation for the most part. <laughs> like, uh, but, but like, um, like um, I remember I was speaking to Kevin a couple of weeks back and and Kevin, Kevin likes to do this too. Um, like you know, think back in time and like uh, like try to change something. Uh, if I'm if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. and I think I asked him then, but I but I can't wait to ask him this again. What would you change about the course of your life if you had to change anything? Is there any uh, decision that you'd like to retake, or any one one place where you like, hmm, you know what? What if I just did this? instead of this mm. or what has that happened like do you have any such moment so i think mm, it's a tough question to answer because it's it's really hard for me to gauge where i would be if i changed anything in my past you know everything everything that i've done everything i've done wrong has led me to where i am now but um, one one thing I do kind of wish I'd done is start martial arts earlier. Um, I started in my second year of high school, which um, puts me at about um, half the amount of experience that a lot of the people I compete with have. Um, so I think that would give me a bit more of an edge. Mm, other than that, I mean, one thing that I had thought about before, actually, when I was going into college, I wanted to study literature, English literature. Oh, okay. Um, my parents weren't super happy about that. And so in the end, I they convinced me to go with physics. But I do wonder sometimes what what my life would be yeah. like if I'd gone with it. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I, I remember reading about you a little bit before before the podcast, and I and I read that you're interested in twentieth century French literature. And if if our audience uh, is like me, I have no idea <laughs> what that is. <laughs> I'm so sorry. To, okay. Um, okay, I have to say. <laughs> Uh, I think that's a glitch <laughs> in the <laughs> in the <top> <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't, I don't speak French. I don't read French. <laughs> uh, is that somebody else then? I think I think must be. <laughs> yeah, Ariat, I don't think he's forgotten that he speaks French. So it's probably <laughs> someone else. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, uh, okay, yeah, I'm gonna have to but, talk to Jin about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but before we wrap up, um, and thank you so much for like giving us all your time. I really want to ask you some questions about uh, uh, your your Tai Chi experience. Uh, like, how, uh, like I think we we haven't discussed this as extensively as we we wanted to. Mm-hmm. But, but in general, what, what 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 is what is your whole martial arts journey meant to you? Because um, I I know it's not it's not common to 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 be awarded medals and represent your national team in it. Uh, I don't think I've ever done it, or I don't know if if my my friends have ever done it. Uh, how, what does it feel like like when you're when you're representing your when you're in your country in in this martial art that you love? So it's it's amazing. It's a really good time. I think um, it's it's not really what you expect. Um, I don't. I I wouldn't say that I feel any sort of national pride, or I really feel that I'm representing the United States, but. Um, Competition, and especially international competition, I think really exemplifies everything that I love about martial arts and about doing Tai Chi and about learning and growing in this sport. When you go to competition, you are really hit with the realization of where you are in the martial arts pecking order, so to speak. And usually it's a lot lower than you think. My first time going to, um, well, actually, my my first event in the 2018 World Championships, um, I got a 7.2, which was, it's a a scoring out of 10. Usually the first um, eight placements are above nine. So that kind of gives you a sense of where I was. Um, So that did that did kind of hit me hard. But um, I think something that I really love about it is that you meet a lot of people who are very passionate about what we do. And everybody is super willing to give you advice. You know, they're all, there's no kind of um, cutthroatness to it. If you if you ask somebody, um, hey, what do you think of doing my sword form this way instead of this way, and they'll just give you honest feedback. And I've met a lot of really good friends through competition. Um, I've made friends with uh, a few of the members of the Hong Kong team, and uh, now, well, before COVID, I would go over to train with them every December. And so that's something that I think has been really cool about going to competitions and competing internationally. Matt. Yeah, 
that that does sound like a really cool experience to have and just yeah. reaching that level and meeting all those people. Um, yeah. yeah, I just wanted to circle back to an idea that you brought up at the starting about how you measure your success and your growth as these continuous steps and not like a single outcome dependent goal. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that was something the three of us were talking about in the previous episode about how having, uh, like viewing your success in that way is a lot better for yourself than having these external outcome goals. So I just wanted mm -hmm. to ask you, how did you reach that point where you were able to do that? Because I know a lot of us start off by measuring how we're doing by those outcome goals and how has that really helped you um, navigate through everything? Mm -hmm. I think um, I think this is something where doing martial arts has helped me out quite a bit because I think you would think that um, doing a competitive sport it's very easy to fall into kind of um, I want to get first place in such and such or you know, I want to I want to be the top of my class or whatever. I think something that you come to realize is that it's very, very hard to do that. Yeah. There are very few people in the US who can say that they're number one internationally in anything. And mm -hmm. so I think you kind of come to terms with the fact that you don't need to do that to call yourself a successful martial artist. You know, you, you just want to be better than you were. You want to be better at the end of practice than you were at the beginning of practice. Something that my coach told me a long time ago that has really stuck with me. Um, he said, you know, you, you go across the carpet in class doing um, basic exercises. He says, if you reach the end of the carpet and you haven't improved or you haven't found something that you need to fix in your form, then you might as well not cross at all. Hmm. And so that's something that I think I really take with me in every practice is this idea that I want to find the thing that I'm going to fix today. I'm going to find this error in my technique that I'm going to overcome today. Mm. And that's something that has really helped me. And I think it's a mindset that has helped me in my life in general. That's definitely yeah. true. Yeah. And I think that's a very insightful message, at least the, the last idea of crossing the carpet. I think that's something we can apply to almost everything we do. So mm -hmm. before we wrap up this conversation, and it's been wonderful, do you have any message or questions that you want to leave the audience with? Um, I think uh, as high schoolers going into college, I think the biggest thing that um, that I would want to know if I were a high schooler going into college again for the first time is that it's okay not to be what you thought you were going to be. It's okay not to maintain a 4.0 GPA you know, that you had in high school through your entire undergraduate career and then go on to get your PhD and become a professor and marry a professor wife and have professor kids. Right. <laughs> it's okay if <laughs> it's okay if your reality doesn't match up with the dreams that you came up with in high school. 
it, you don't have to um, you don't have to imprison yourself in any kind of notion of a future that you have or you have right now. So I think that's um, that's something that would have been very helpful for me to know going in is just keep an open mind. You know, college is a time for you to explore and for you to fail and keep failing until you find something that you really want to do and that you want to succeed at. So, yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Kevin. I think that's all the questions that we had planned for you. And it's it's so it's, it's it's so nice to have spoken to you today. Um, this really brings me back to the idea. One of the ideas that helped us um, think of the themes and like like start this podcast. It's something that uh, one of Wharton's professors, Adam Grant, said that when you when you look at somebody's resume, uh, it's easy to like like it's it's generally like one success string to another. And it sometimes does give a holistic view of a person. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope that through this episode and with later episodes, uh, we can we can hope to like normalize uh, superhumans uh, in a lot of ways. And we think uh, we think you really helped us in this journey, and we're really grateful uh, to all our listeners. Um, I'll I'll have Kevin's resume and his failure resume linked to. Uh, link to our podcast links as well so you can really check out Kevin and Kevin is a wonderful human being and we're really 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 proud to know him and uh, we're so so, we we really loved having you on our podcast (laughs) thank you all for listening we hope to see you all again next time bye bye thank you Kevin thanks for having me it's a great time